Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. In this episode, I'm talking to a pet-sitting and dog-walking business expert who grew her own business over the course of 18 years. We talk about how to hire your first few employees and how important your gut intuition is in those decisions. With the right employees, you can achieve that work-life balance that you got into this business for in the first place. Today's guest fine-tuned her staff to the point where she was able to take six months off to live in Bali. Get your vision boards ready, and let's dive into this episode. Kristen Morrison started her pet-sitting and dog-walking company in 1995 and grew it to become one of the largest pet care companies in California before she sold it 18 years later. Now, Kristen provides business coaching for thousands of pet sitters, dog walkers, trainers, and groomers. She's the founder of Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy and Six Figure Pet Business Academy, where she provides coaching, webinars, and business products for pet business owners. Kristen is also the creator of the annual Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference, and she hosts the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It's a tongue twister. (laughs) In addition to all that... (laughs) (laughs) In addition to all that, Kristen is the author of five books, and she's currently working on her sixth book, all geared towards pet business owners. Hi, Kristen. Hello, Jory. I'm so happy to be be chatting with you today. How fun. I'm so excited to learn all about, um, you know, everything that you've done. You, You have so much knowledge to share with people who are starting a pet business or looking to grow a pet business. So I'm excited to get into it. Oh, yay. Me too. I love, I love sharing about this because, you know, people that often start businesses have never taken any kind of business class or anything. So they don't really know what they're doing. Just like I didn't. I had to learn the hard way, you know, through trial and error. And so it's totally a pleasure to be able to help people have to bypass some of that <laughs> grueling work, you know, to get to where they want to be. It's wonderful. Yes, it's so true. And I think that, you know, now we think like you can just Google just about anything and figure it out. But it's, yep. it's not that easy, you know, as I've kind of been growing my business and figuring out how to start new ventures like this podcast. Um, you yep. you can't always get the answers from Googling. So it's really priceless mm-hmm. to have an expert to be able to talk to. Mm-hmm. To kind of, yeah, catapult through the difficulties and get to the other side pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing compares to getting someone's firsthand advice. So tell me a little bit. Um, so you started your pet sitting and dog walking business. That was That's how you got started. So tell us your origin story of how you got started doing that. Well, you know, it's interesting because, and I don't actually talk about this very often, this earlier part, but when I was 18, um, I did a lot of journaling and I still do. I I write something called morning pages every morning um, based on Mm -hmm. the Julie Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And 
it's a process where you just write, you know, what you want to create in your life or what's going on in your life. And it's really helpful in terms of, for me, gaining clarity on my life. And I remember when I was 18, I wrote in my journal, <laughs> I want to get paid to walk dogs. <laughs> and at that point, now that doesn't sound like anything shocking, but then it was very strange. It just kind of flew out of my pen onto the paper. And there was no such thing as dog walking at that time. It was, um, gosh, many years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I thought, you know what? I really, that would be a dream come true. And then I kind of forgot about that and uh, began, you know, working a real job. I was also in college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I couldn't figure it out, you know, and it's really now I can see it's because it wasn't even around yet, you know, pet sitting and dog walking. So that's why it wasn't becoming clear <laughs> to me what to do. I knew I always loved animals, but, you know, couldn't really see how I could work with them without becoming a veterinarian. I didn't want to be a vet assistant. I had done that. Um, so I ended up one day I was, I was actually walking on a, a beautiful trail near where I now live um, in a place called Tiburon. And I was walking and there's this woman that walked past me and she had a, it had a dog walking business name on it. And this was maybe five years after I had written in my journal that I wanted to get paid to walk a dog. And she walked past me with two dogs. And I said, do you have a dog walking business? I couldn't believe it, right? And she said, I do. Do you want to work for me? <laughs> on the walking path. And I was like, yes. I mean, within like less than 30 seconds, it was like I had found my calling. And so I ended up meeting with her for an interview. Two days later, she hired me on the spot and I ended up working for her for a few months. And through working for her, I realized this is what I am supposed to be doing. And I ended up starting my own business. And initially it was just in this little town in Tiburon. And I didn't even have a car at the time because, you know, I lived in this little town and you could walk everywhere. And so I'd walk to my dog walking clients, you know, <laughs> I didn't even have a car. And then, and then my business began growing and I had to get a car. So it just made sense. And so that's, basically the origin story of, of how my business started. Not everyone experiences that kind of magic when they're, you know, tapped into their calling. Sometimes it's just like, oh, this is what I want to do. But I think when you feel that excitement around some kind of livelihood, it's important to pay attention to that. And I yeah. really did. And because of that, I just felt like, this is a dream come true. And it was, it was so wonderful. And I feel like when we're in our right livelihood, again, it doesn't mean we don't need to learn how to grow a business or, you know, whatever kind of livelihood we're in that we really love. But I feel like when we're in that, we tend to be in our sweet spot. And if we can really go to what is working and really listen to what's working and what's not working, we can get on track pretty quickly. And so I really began listening to what my clients needed. You know, at first I was just doing dog walking and then I realized they needed pet visits. 
and then they needed overnights. And so I began growing my services in terms of what my clients were needing and wanting. And um, yeah, I had my business for 18 years. And through the course of running my business, um, within two years of starting my business, I began hiring people because my business just was growing by leaps and bounds. And I couldn't do all the work myself and nor did I want to, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to have right. a life. I, I didn't want to be one of those business owners that only works and doesn't play. That's not part of my nature. I, I really need a healthy balance of both. Well, and I, so, I think that, you know, a lot of people who are in the pet industry were like so inspired by our dogs because yep. dogs definitely know how to have a work-life balance. <laughs> yes, they do. I love that. And, yeah, and in your business, you know, you're 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 working like a dog to grow your business. Yep. You don't want to, you know, waste all your time doing that and not actually spending time with your dog, which is probably the reason why you got into this in the first place. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I just realized what you said. Um it's like but yet dogs don't work very hard. They definitely incorporate play. So actually we do want to work like a dog. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. not in the way that society thinks of working like a dog where you're, you know, doing the hard labor and, you know, just working 12 hours a day. It's like, okay, let's learn how to work like a dog. How do dogs That's work? True. You know? Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. And they like even work is play. You know, if you see a a sheepdog or an Aussie shepherd, you know, herding sheep, they are like super joyous. They're not yeah, like, exactly. oh God, I have to herd these sheep. You know? <laughs> They're like, woohoo, right. I get to herd these sheep. What a joy, you know? <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Yeah. So I'm curious. So you start, you just started talking about hiring and yeah. you were, when you were telling your story about when you first met this woman, uh, you know, walking these two dogs when you, when this like yeah. magic moment happened and yeah. she said to you on the spot, do you want to work for me? Um, is that how you did your hiring process? <laughs> you know, um, I am really lucky and I've also cultivated that my sense of very strong intuition and mm -hmm. gut feeling and learn to really trust that. Mostly because when I didn't, things didn't really work out the way I would like. So I do have that. But but I also, you know, I'm very intuitive, but I'm also super logical. And that is really important for me, like the work-life balance, to have logic and intuition. You know, really and playing that, you know, using that in a really balanced way in terms of hiring. So... You know, I had a very lengthy um, hiring process where I created um, an application, something called an application packet, because I was having a hard time. I would place an ad and I would just get so many people who were like, yeah, I want to walk dogs or I want to pet sit cats, you know, not really realizing right. what was involved. And I would have to meet these people and I would realize sort of like online dating, like, I would really realize once I met them, they weren't the right fit, you know, or they were, right? you know, once, but, but it's sort of, well, I say it's like online dating because you can like keep it in the cloud or on email for a long time and, and not really realize if somebody's the right match or not in work mm -hmm. or in love. <laughs> and so it's about getting face to face. So for me, 
creating the application packet was really a game changer because what happened for me is I would create this very lengthy application packet that they would fill out. I would email it to them. They would email it back to me and I would review it in the comfort of my home before I even met them to see if they were a good fit. And, you know, I would definitely be using my gut instinct as I was reviewing this, you know, what they had written. Um, and then meeting them was definitely important. But I often did have, especially when I met them, I had a very strong yes or no. And, mm -hmm. that really and I bet even well. the application packet weeded out some people who didn't even want to spend the time filling it out, right? Exactly. Uh, yep, you're right. About half of the people wouldn't send it back, which is totally fine by me. I'd rather have them mm -hmm. not send it. You know, these would have been people that maybe I would have met and they wouldn't have been committed to the job. Yeah. So in the course of running my business, I hired, I, I did account a while back because I just finished a, a hiring book. That's my most recent book right now. And um, I did a count of how many people I had hired in the course of running my business for 18 years. And I had hired over 250 people. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I didn't realize it was that much. When I sold my business, yeah, I mean, 35, makes it, 35 people. It sound like mm -hmm. you had this, you know, huge corporation or something. So it's, it's amazing the impact that you had made. Um, in those 250 people's lives and then you know well, the forward, yeah they've had on all these dogs I mean I can't imagine how many dogs lives you've impacted oh well I appreciate you saying that you know I really felt like and feel like when I think about all the people that that worked with me and I often tried to say work with me instead of work for me because I felt like we were in it together and that's the way mm -hmm. I wanted it. And I wanted them to feel a part of rather than separate, like I'm the boss, you know, even though I did have to exert control and, you know, some things were really important to me and I had to really say that. But um, for the most part, I really felt like they were the basis of the business, like m even more important than the clients, you know, the staff. And it was at that time, it's more accepted now that, you know, employees are, are more revered because they're hard to find, right? In this day and age, it's hard to find good people. Mm -hmm. Even then it was hard to find, but it was a little easier then. But, you know, it was very skewed back then. It was like, if you're looking at a diagram, let's say like a, a pyramid, at the top would be the clients they would be the most important thing or you know if you want to reverse it it would be the bottom the foundation would be the clients so for me the most important aspect of the business were my staff i mean really really important to have great people they were the heart of my company and if they weren't good my business wasn't good and so yeah absolutely higher, yeah it's so important. I mean, especially when for a lot of pet business owners, when they've been doing it on their own for so long, and then they have to make that leap, which can be often very scary leap to, okay, now I'm going to get people working for me and, and I'm going to try to transition my clients who love me to them. You want to really believe in the people that you have so that your clients have a really great experience and a very smooth transition from you to them. If someone is a um, a pet sitter or a dog walker or a trainer or somebody else who's a service-based pet 
business. And, and uh-huh. right now they're a solo operation. Um, do you yep. have any advice on making that first hire? Yeah. So let's see. So the first thing I would do is actually look at, and it sounds so simple, but a lot of people don't do this, is begin with what you need in terms of which service, you know, do you need help with? If you're a pet sitter, dog walker, you know, dog walking, pet sitting, you know, when, like what days, what hours, get really specific and where, what areas, if, you know, you're, staff are going to need to go to different areas. Where do you need them to cover? So, you know, what, where, and when? Start there. Basic. And again, most people don't do that. They just place an ad. It's like throwing pasta at a wall. (laughs) But you really want to be conscious about your hiring process. So start there. And then I would also begin to write a list of the qualities that are most important in terms of this person or these people that you want to hire. Obviously, trustworthy Mm -hmm. is going to go on there, responsible, but, you know, maybe there's some other things that you've had clients say or qualities about you that clients have said, like, oh, you leave the house cleaner than when I left it. You know, that's a great quality. That should go on the list if that's something that is important to you and your clients. So things like that, the qualities, so that you can actually recognize that person when you're reviewing an application packet when you're meeting them in person. Very important to have that kind of wish list for the ideal staff member. And, you know, also really trusting your gut. So if you're like, I don't know about this person, I wouldn't hire them. And, you know, a good way, if you have a hard time thinking about, hmm, is this a good person to hire? Think about how would you feel about this person being in, let's say, your mom's home or your dearest friend's home that can sometimes take it out of fantasy realm and into like no I wouldn't want this person you know to stay in in my dear friend's home I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable that's a big clue that's a huge red flag yeah absolutely and I like how you recommend um I really you know really getting clear and thinking really hard about the where when and what? <laughs> I think those are the right yeah, yeah. viewers. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Because I think a lot of times people will, you know, they'll go through the, the process and they'll ask that potential hire, when are you available? Or yep, what exactly. what neighborhood do you service or something like that? And so it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it's always these things that sound like common sense that we, that we skip yep. over. Um, and so I think that's a really important thing that you pointed out. Oh, Tori, I, I, I love that you pointed that out. <laughs> and also that um, I'm thinking about somebody that I was coaching yesterday. She just hired somebody who sounds incredible, just a real rock star, has, you know, had a lot of pet experience, et cetera. However, this person is not available. She's like said no to so many jobs and she was just hired a couple weeks ago, <laughs> you know, and I, so I had a heart to heart with my coaching client and I said, you know, I know that this person looks great on paper, but the reality is they are not available. And again, you know, I'm bringing it back to dating again. Like you could date the most incredible person in the world, but if they're not available, it's unless that's what you want, it's not going to be a good fit, you know? 
So same with hiring, super important that they are available for what you need. And, and also another thing that I, that I often tell my coaching clients is this person that you hire is there to make your life easier, not harder. So in the first two or three weeks, they might make your life harder because you're training them. You're, you know, you're getting to know each other. They're getting to know the job. But after two or three weeks, if they're still making your life harder, that is a big flag to pay attention to. Really? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so in addition to hiring, so hiring is obviously very important, finding the right person, but not everyone's at that step. So yep. You have another another piece of advice that you might be able to share with someone who is just getting started um, to make yep. their their service based business a success right out the gate. Yep. Yeah. Actually, two things come immediately to mind, and there are two mistakes that a lot of, especially pet sitters and dog walkers, make early on, is that they make their service area too large. So instead mm-hmm. of driving, you know, fifteen minutes, they're saying yes to clients that are maybe 25 minutes away from their home. And that adds up. And once you take a client, it can be really hard to let them go emotionally for them and for you and for the pets. So just be aware of that when you're first starting out, that you're saying yes is probably going to make it really hard to say no in the future to that. So create a healthy relationship with boundaries and your yes and no. So really get clear in the same way you want to get clear around hiring when you're ready for that. You also want to get clear around, okay, what are the limits to my business? So when we have limits and boundaries, it actually creates a lot of power and clarity and the ability to make a lot more money too, because we're not expending energy that is draining us, right? Driving a far distance is going to drain you so fast. So get clear about how far you're willing to drive and not just in terms of miles, because that can change like five minutes or excuse me, five miles in LA could take an hour, right? (laughs) If you live in Los Angeles or not, right? So think about minutes instead of miles when you're thinking about traveling to go take care of pets in people's homes. And it's also important to price your services appropriately when you're first starting. So a lot of people will um, under-earn when they're first starting out. They will charge a very low amount because they just want to get clients. And often clients are going to be a little suspicious of a very low amount. You know, it's kind of counterintuitive. So what I recommend doing is actually creating a spreadsheet of your competitors, their prices, the amount of time that you know, they're giving for those prices, 30 minute dog walk, extra dog amount, and not necessarily pricing your prices the highest. I don't think that's a good idea when you're first starting out, but definitely don't lowball yourself. Go in the middle or even the high middle or low high, you know, so let's say when you compare prices in your area, the low is 15 the high is 20. These are just random numbers I'm giving right now. Mm-hmm. But 15, 20, then you would probably want to be at like 17 or 18 is what you would be looking at to start. And then also when you're thinking about the future, I really recommend that on your calendar two years from the date that you start your business, you put raise my rates. 
<laughs> because a lot of sitters and walkers that I work with and dog trainers, they don't raise their rates. They feel scared. And yet yeah. they're really missing out. You know, everything goes up almost every year. You know, medical expenses, grocery items. <laughs> and if your rates aren't going up, you're going to be making less doing the same amount of work or even more work. So really important. And I love that idea of, of skipping two years ahead in your calendar and putting a reminder in. Yep. Because you'll probably mm -hmm. forget that it's in there and then one day it'll pop up. <laughs> exactly. And there's even a great, oh, I just love, love, love this website. It's called Future Me. I believe it's futureme.org, O-R-G. Forgive me if that's not the last um, part of it, but you can just Google Future Me, um, letters to yourself or emails to yourself, and you can write an email and date it to the future. Yeah. And I think when oh, you're, if, that, if you put in that two-year raise your rates alert, you should yep. also, on the same day, put a little reminder to, rem to celebrate that you've been in business for two years because that's oh, something to celebrate. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, or even a year. I mean, it's a big deal to be in business for a year. So the website is futureme.org, O-R-G. And I actually write one to myself, a little cheerleading email to myself every month. So whenever I get it, and I often forget, and there it pops up from me to me, you know, this email. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like a little, you can do it, or this is what you're doing right now, you know, about my goals and, and visions. and so whenever I get that email, I immediately, I read it, I kind of take it in, and then I write the next one to myself for a month later. So that it keeps That's really cool. so going. Yeah. Yeah, I really recommend Yeah, this. I love that, Kristen. That's so cool. It's fun. It's really fun. We need to support ourselves, right? We can get lots of support yeah. outside. That's great. But if we're not supporting ourselves, you know, it starts with us. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to kind of uh, transition a little bit. You you mentioned in these letters that you write to yourself, you kind of talk about your goals and everything. So tell us about what you're working on today, because you're not out there walking people's dogs <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I don't true. think. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I'm not. No, I, I did sell my business um, five years, five and a half years ago now. So yeah, I am. Um, I had done everything I, I wanted to do, actually, in terms of that business. I, when I sold it, I had 35 staff members and four managers. I was only working two days a week when I sold my business, and I had been doing that for the last year um, of running my business. And I also had lived in Bali uh, for six months, one year, and four months the year prior to that, and I had my managers running the business. So I had really been able to create an amazing business without working very much. <laughs> not to say that I didn't work hard in the beginning. You know, I worked like a dog, not in a good sense in the beginning. Right. <laughs> but then I really learned how to create that work-life balance. And I realized one of my visions was travel. And I hadn't been giving that to myself. And that was an area that was really hurting my heart, you know, that I wasn't doing that. And so, you know, I, I lived in Bali and my managers ran my business and did a great job. So when I came back from that second trip, um, I realized 
I'm done. You know, I've done this. I, I had also been coaching a lot of people at that point. I'd written books, spoken at a lot of pet business conferences. I still wanted to do that. That felt really important to me. And I wanted to make more time for that, you know? And it seemed like after 18 years, it's kind of symbolic in a way. It's like, if you think about raising a child, you know, they go away to college at year 18. <laughs> I felt like my business was ready to kind of fly without me. And so Aww. it just felt really, I know, it's sweet, huh? Yeah, it, it felt awesome. really appropriate. And so now what I'm working on, I still coach a lot of pet business owners, um, which I love. And I just finished my most recent book, which is the Hiring Handbook for Pet Sitters and Dog Walkers. It's one of the biggest pain points that pet business owners call me about, like, help me hire. And so I realized I'm going to write a book about that <laughs> to help people so that they can get the information at 3 a.m. when I'm not available for a coaching call. <laughs> so, um, and I also have been turning my my books into audiobooks. So that has been a really wonderful joy to do. Um, so my most recent audiobooks are my six-figure pet sitting audiobook is coming out actually uh, this month, July, and my um, 30 Days to Start and Grow Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business audiobook came out a couple months ago. So I'll be working on another one after this. I'll be working on six-figure pet business, which is for groomers, dog trainers, and um, other pet professionals that aren't pet sitters and dog walkers. And, yeah, um, that is so smart because, like, walking around, walking dogs, or yep. driving around town yep. to get to the dog walks, you have a lot of time to listen yep. to stuff. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I have to say that was another aspect of really listening to what my clients wanted, a lot of them were saying audiobooks. You know, I really want to be able to hear. I don't have time to read. Help, <laughs> you know. And so I I did that, and it's been wonderful. And I've gotten some great feedback. People are really appreciating being able to drive and or walk dogs and get to listen as they're, you know, doing that. And I think it's kind of the wave of the future. Unfortunately, I'm yeah. actually a lover of paperback books. I have a bunch of them um, that I cannot let go of because I just, I love them so much. But I think, you know, we're really headed in that direction of listening instead of, you know, holding a book or even an ebook on our computer. We're, we're wanting to consume, and a lot of us are wanting to consume information via listening so we can do other things while we're taking the information in. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing because it just makes information more accessible. So that's true. Good. good point, Tori. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, that's yeah. a great take on so, it. So um, yep. I always like to ask people at the end here um, if you have any top tools or resources that that you use to run your business or I guess in your case, maybe any tools that you recommend to people to run their pet industry business? Yeah, so I talked earlier about the application packet. That is definitely mm -hmm. something you can create on your own. And if you uh, even search online for application packet, Kristen Morrison, you'll find it. Um, it has a list of what is in the application packet that I sell to pet business owners. But again, you know, I'm all for you creating your own. If 
you know, I'm speaking to your listeners here. I'm all for creating your own if that's what you prefer. It's totally doable. You can use the information from your own business and, and what you most need. However, if you're wanting a template and wanting like quick, you know, and easy, then you can get mine and that is available on my site. And that was, like I said, a real game changer for me when I created that for my business. I realized that it became my assistant. It was like having a human, <laughs> only a little bit better because, you know, it was something that I could quickly send out. It would weed out the bad people from the good. And so that is a top hiring tool if you're looking at hiring. Um, you know, I also am thinking I'm such a big goal setter. We talked earlier about goals and I'm just a huge believer in goals. And even if you're listening to this and it's the middle of the year, it's still a fine time to set goals. You know, you don't have to do them in January. What I usually do is I pick like three main business goals and I also do quarterly goals, like two or three quarterly goals that I have. And I check in with myself, kind of like the future me thing, but I don't send an email to myself. But I think, you know, really looking at what do I want to create for the next six months or the next 12 months? Because if we don't know, then we're kind of driving blind in our business. And we're just sort of putting out fires or, you know, we're not being intentional about the business we're creating. And I think the more mm -hmm. you can get back to being really intentional about what you want to create, the more likely you are to actually create it. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And actually, as we're recording this, I am staring at a whiteboard in my office oh, where I write I down it. my goals quarterly, and um and I have a, a I usually write nine things, and yeah. half of them are business, and then half of them are my personal life. Um, I love that. So that's really it's really fun to kind of have that balance, mm -hmm. and then. Um, I also kind of just jot down bigger picture things and yeah. it's, it's nice to, to look at that throughout the year and update it and cross things off, especially is really rewarding. Totally. <laughs> Isn't it? I know it's super satisfying. You know, I'm so curious, Tori, like, um, I'm wondering, and I'm happy to share some of mine too, but I, I love that you brought in the personal aspect because I think we can get so focused on business. Again, it's that work-life balance, but I'd be curious what, you know, one or two of your personal goals are. And I'd, I'd love to share some of mine too. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't have anything really deep on my, on my board. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, but one of the ones that's like more personal is I just want to go stand up paddle boarding with the dogs. I've been oh. wanting to do it for two years and I have just never gotten around to finding a place where I can rent them and take the dogs. And so that is, that is staring at me on my board right now. <laughs> oh, how sweet is that? That is super sweet. You so that's just that. kind of like, that's just, just fun. That's, you know, a fun thing. Yeah. It's not really like self-improvement, but it's just a fun you know thing what? I've been wanting to do for years. I kind of think play is self-improvement. You know, we need more mm -hmm. of it. As humans, we get super serious in our lives, and it's like the more we can play, especially you bringing your dogs into that. Experience, yes, I think that is beautiful. It's so sweet. I just Thank love you. it. 
would you like would you like to share a goal with with our audience and everyone sure. they're accountable you know, <laughs> well just so you know like one of my goals one of my personal goals was to buy um a really wonderful house and we just were closing in a week and it's a house yes. that is on the water which is totally mind-blowing to me and you know where do you live by the way I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, well, maybe if you're in California sometime, <laughs> you can you can come over and, um, you know, do some stand-up paddleboard for Doc. <laughs> I love this. Is, this is an actual invitation. I'm not just saying that. You know, let me know when you're in the Bay Area, California. But um, so I would, I would love to meet up with yeah. you. I would absolutely love that. I don't know how to stand-up paddleboard. And, um, I just think that would be really fun. So I that would be fun to, you know, I'd probably fall in the water a lot. <laughs> so I've, I've done it before just myself, um, but I think yeah. with a dog on the board, I would fall in the water too. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe the dog might kind of balance things out. Yeah, so, you know, that was a vision that I had. I, I did a vision board, you know, with collage and everything. About eight months mm -hmm. ago, and the houses that I kept putting on the vision board, which was it was very surprising to me, were houses on the water. And I'm thinking, there's no way we can afford a house on the water in the Bay Area. No way. But it's what I was drawn to. And mm -hmm. um, the house that we found was actually, interestingly enough, it was like one of the least expensive priced homes. It's not a fancy it's house at all. It's meant to be. I know, and it's really sweet, and it's a great community. So that is in the midst of happening. Another one that I'm still, I've been, you know, putting, like, I want to go to a regular yoga class every week, and I just have not been doing that. You know, I've been kind of blaming it on, oh, I'm writing a book, I'm doing the audiobook, but I really, mm -hmm. that's the personal goal that I really need to hold myself accountable, and I might even, after we're done, write a little note on future me. <laughs> To check in with myself and say, you may think you're too busy for a yoga class, but if you think you're too busy, you're you need to go to two yoga classes. <laughs> I think that's a great plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Kristen, so. I think we've we've reached the end of our time, so I'll leave you time in your day to go do yoga. <laughs> okay, um, great. Tell everyone who's listening where they can find you online so they can follow you and, and um, you know, get more information from you. Oh, great. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at PetBizCoach, B-I-Z, PetBizCoach. I'm also um, online at SixFigurePetBusinessAcademy.com or SixFigurePetSittingAcademy.com. If you just Google that, you'll find it. It's a much smaller, shorter web domain, but I won't spell that out right now, but you can, you can find me that way. <laughs> also, um, my books are on Amazon as well as the eBooks are on my site. And, um, I have a podcast called Prosperous. Yeah. And I would love to Wonderful. have you on there when I, I'm taking a little podcast break right now, but when I resume that, um, I definitely want to have you on there, Tori, to share your story and your what you're up to. I know you're up to some amazing, wonderful things that I know my listeners would just love to 
find out more about? Oh, thank you so much. I would, I would love to do that. So um, when, when we do end up recording that, I'll be sure to share it with everyone. So if you're listening right now, stay tuned. There will be a part okay, two of great. the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. I look forward to it. Yay. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.